Hi, and welcome back to the Deep Fade. My name is Zach Elliott. I'm joined by Raven and Brendan. Say hi, guys. More than excited to be here. Hello. Hello, hello. Uh, Brendan, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, uh, I'm Brendan, new to the show, obviously. I've been working on some of the sound behind the scenes, and I plan to be on a few more times as well. Uh, I'm a Ravens fan, and I watch a lot of football, so hopefully I could talk about some of that on here. Yeah, Brendan's being uh, a good a good friend and assisting on the sound side and helping with everything. And yeah, he knows a lot about football, sometimes more than I do in a certain respects, but Otherwise, yeah, thanks for being here, buddy. Uh, mm-hmm. Raven, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, just chilling. We did Panos' show earlier, if anyone wants to check that out. You know, a little shameless plug, but we're just, we're just doing dandy. I don't know, uh, some people are going to see that we have the camera set up for the first time, so you will get to see all of our beautiful faces from now on. So that's very, very exciting. I can make faces at Raven now. Because mm. he can't team me. Yeah, but I can see you, so. Without further ado, uh, we're going to jump into a few things this week. Uh, first things first, recapping the NFL as always, going down through each of the games, uh, discussing a little bit of the rookie QB class coming in now that the college football season is over, then turning over to the in-season tournament. Elimination rounds start tonight, doing some predictions and how did we get here, which each of the teams involved and then uh, moving on to some of those predictions, talking about bets of the week, and then a little bit of college football talk at the end. But let's get started. Uh, Thursday night, Seahawks go into Dallas, lose 35-41. After the game, well, after this week's slate of games, Dak ends up at it's the favorite for MVP, sitting at plus 300, while Purdy and Hurts are at plus 350. Purdy opened as the favorite right after the Sunday slate of games, um, but I kind of, it feels like this is kind of Dak's signature win in terms of his individual production. Like, he's not always been the guy that carries the Cowboys. The entire year it's been, the story's been the defense, Parsons being one of the defensive player of the year favorites, especially now that Garrett's been banged up, and then uh, Deron Bland scoring more points than, like, half the receivers in the NFL. But he really has taken it to another level him and CD have been carrying them while, I mean, I mean, the defense is still the defense, but they gave up 35. Like, they're still great, but it's not the same thing where earlier in the season, if you had the Cowboys defense in fantasy, they were scoring like 25 points by themselves. Mm. And, and then Gino, uh, albeit in a losing effort, he's been pretty middle of the pack over the last few weeks, sitting around 15, 16 in EPA per play each week. But after this one, I, I think there's been a lot of overblown discussion of how he's fallen off because people are, I don't think people want him to turn back into a pumpkin, so to speak, and are, or even, ex, I think it's more that they're expecting it, where we see stories like this of guys like, you can take it as a microcosm in season, Josh Dobbs being so good, and then he has, albeit a terrible game against the Bears, he has one bad game, and people are ready to bury him. Yeah, I, I have a funny story about that, actually. Uh, I was hyping up Joshua Dobbs to my father, who's also a Bears fan, and <laughs> I was telling him, like, you'll see him play because he had never seen him play before that week, and what do you know? He makes the Bears defense look like they were in 85, and, you know, 
from there it was history. But four interception performance, I think that just kind of shows that teams found out how he plays. And, you know, I think the little Jeremy Lin role is over. Yeah, I mean, my my whole thing going into last year, it was that Gino was just better than Drew Locke. And now that he's reestablished himself, people are so ready to bury him again. It's kind of, it's not that it's disappointing. I don't really care about the Seahawks, but he clearly has shown himself to not be like the New York Giant backup anymore. And I think people need to stop clamoring for him to to go back into the graveyard until he's a little bit older and starts to actually decline. Uh, moving on, Colts 31, Titans 28. Minshew, since Anthony Richardson has been out a couple games to start of the year and then when he was actually ruled out for the rest of the year, Minshew is 7-3 and three as the Colts starter. And if, if the season ends today, like last week, the Colts would be in the playoffs. Uh, there might be three playoff teams from the AFC South after this week with the Texans also coming out over the Broncos and the Jags might end up as the one seed still. They have yet to play the Bengals as we're recording this, but for, for a division that looks as doo-doo kachu as we might've predicted coming into the year, it's kind of incredible. And it speaks to like completely different kinds of quarterbacks showing out where it's Stroud as a rookie and then Minshew kind of saving the backup position and uh, proving that not all these guys are Jake Browning or Tim Boyle. Aside from Gardner Minshew, though, Shane Sykin, Coach of the Year case, what do you think? I think he is the favorite if they win out enough to make the playoffs. Because him and him and Gannon, both coming from the Eagles system, it, it's, it's kind of what people, not to bury on Frank Reich, but it's kind of what people thought Reich was going to do when he came into Indy and make chicken salad out of the situation and be the quote-unquote quarterback whisperer, but Steichen's actually doing that and turning Minshew into a viable starter where is he worse than 20 guys in the NFL? I mean, like, really? Like, you go through the starters and you wouldn't take Minshew over half the QBs in the AFC East? Like... It, or the AFC North for that matter, sorry, DTR. <laughs> I think that not only do all three of those quarterbacks deserve to be in there, Minshew partying in the locker room after the game is awesome, but Steichen has proven that he is what Reich wasn't. And that, especially after the McDaniels disaster, when Reich first got hired, them having a coach that they can actually trust in the first one, maybe since Tony Dungy, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Not many coaches Shout out Chuck Pagano. more than... More with less than Steichen has, in my opinion. And that's kind of the the I mean, I don't know what you think, but to me that is the the ultimate mark of a good coach. It's what are you doing with the talent given to you? Cause like you could take Brandon Staley, who we'll get to, but he's taking I think the third best quarterback and possibly the most talented in the entire league and turning him into Kind of immediate punching bag. I mean, there was a moment last year when it was like, is he better than Tua and the whole, what, the Emmanuel Ackle BS, Acho BS, but... Oh, yeah, social media quarterback. With the Justin social Herbert. media quarterback shit. Like, we'll just go to it then. Chargers beat the Patriots by six and 
the Patriots score zero points. I I just want Herbert to be safe. I just want <laughs> him to have a good home because this is one of those things where we can't – it's hard to quantify it's coaching, especially in a game as parody-ridden as football where any given Sunday all the shit that can happen in a given day just changes outcomes drastically where – stuff like this happens that you couldn't have expected in a million years. But Staley drags down everything where he's supposed to be this defensive guru, and they've been bottom five in the league almost every year that he's been the coach. Khalil Mack is great. Joey Bosa has been hurt, and there's no one else. They signed J.C. Jackson for 80-plus million and then traded him back to the Pats. What a disaster. And the Chargers running backs had, I think— it was between the three of them. Eckler had like in the 20s, Kelly in the 10s, and then the other running back had negative yards, and it came out to a negative or to a net 31 rushing yards against a team that's without their two best defenders. I know that one of them is a DB, but like. I think we got to have that talk about Austin Eckler and the washed allegations. He, okay. He was good. Who wasn't just a fantasy guy? I know he makes it worse because he likes fantasy football so much, but even in the last few years, he wasn't as slow as he was. Where it definitely seems like his knees are catching up to him, and it's not a guy like Frank Gore where he can still be a thumper. He's tiny, and has, yeah. that's never been his game. He's he was always strong, but he was still a scat back. Like he's he has slowed down enough that. Them not bringing uh, in a running back. Well, and he wanted to be traded in the offseason. That might have been doing them a favor if they were to bring in a rookie guy, too. The Pats have pretty much sewn up at least the number two pick, I think, because the Giants have just won too much, and then the Bears are actually winning now. So it's just whether or not they can lose out against the Panthers, who still want to win, makes it even sadder. My, My biggest question outside of that is, is Mac on the team next year, or where does he get traded to? Because I feel like he could still start for someone next year. That might be his last chance, but... Yeah, he's not on fourth year, right? He's a uh, third year next year? He's on the same... Yeah, he's on the same timeline as Fields, where this offseason they would have to decide whether or not to pick his fifth-year option up. They're clearly not going to do yeah, that. No. <laughs> so it's who do you trade him to for a one-year rental, like the Raiders, or... Voice crack. Or... uh the Broncos or some just to bring it in behind Russ and see if Russ falls off even more. Although he's been okay to see if you can have a guy behind him to scare him a little bit. Uh, maybe even insurance. Like I, I don't think Mike White's on a multi-year deal, but having a guy behind Tua as ironic as that would be having a guy like that behind him would be good insurance. He could be like, if he can just find somewhere where he can rebuild his confidence. I don't see why he can't be Minshew. He showed enough in his rookie year that, like, people were confident. I just, I think the Pats messed him up more than he messed up. Yeah, you have to take into account where the, the team morale is at, at this point in the year. I mean, you had Jabril Peppers after the game saying, you're, you're lucky we f- suck. We're lucky we f- suck. So, I mean, that kind of shows where the morale is. And, and it's easy to say that that is kind of going to be impacting Mac Jones. So, yeah, I mean, like. He's in the same draft class as as uh, Zach Wilson, which many tend to forget. But, like, 
I mean, he could easily have that role. I mean, they already put Zach Wilson in the backseat, or they intended to have him sit behind Rodgers. So I think, yeah, I mean, obviously it's probably not going to happen in New England, but I think it would be great for him if he just, like, sat behind a veteran-type quarterback. Anyhow, Lions 33, Saints 28. The Lions did their bestest to blow this game down the stretch, and it it's emblematic of their of their problems the entire season where they started strong they had big counting statistics where uh guys like Hutchinson were were ostensibly breaking out into a middle of the pack defense supported by this top three offense but over the last four or five weeks specifically since week seven the Lions defense uh had been close to dead last in EPA per play I think it's now like 27 but they've been allowing almost 30 points per game over the last five weeks. Their offense is incredible. Montgomery, uh, coming from the Bears, kill me, was, has found himself again. Being, he's fourth in rushing touchdowns. He's top 15 in yards, and he's averaging almost five yards carry next to Gibbs, and they're the perfect thunder and lightning. Goff is good and doesn't have to be much better. Amon Ra is good enough by himself to create a good passing offense, and then... Sam Laporta has unlocked a missing element after they traded Hawkinson that we thought, because Hawkinson's good. You think it would wait a few years to find that guy? Nope, one. Mm. On the other side, the Saints, a car goes out again, and then they bring in famous Jameis. I, this, they are guilty of the NFC South curse, where... That this is the the division that produced the uh, was it the Panthers that went like seven nine and one when they had Cam Newton and made the playoffs as the division winner. Mm. When it's not like the Matt Ryan Falcons or the Drew Brees Saints, it always feels like this division is just producing something disgusting, and they are no better. The defense still has something to it. Cam Jordan is immortal, and Kamara has been great after missing the first few games for suspension, but with the Falcons winning again this week, they kind of seem like they're on their back foot and without a little bit of help from, frankly, Arthur Smith soiling himself, I don't really think they're, they're going to make it. Yeah, I've got a prompt for you, actually. This kind of uh, poses the question, is Derek Carr's extension or free agent signing the worst move in the offseason because I've seen that take fly around even prior to this loss I mean they handed him a lot a lot of money and they're kind of in deep if like they didn't really prepare for it to not you know pan out after this season so I mean they're gonna have to kind of ride with him and I don't know it could be a like kind of move that sets them back like years I think in terms of money, sure, because there are guys that just haven't done much. Like, probably, I mean, there were a lot of good signings where, like, Hargrave to the Niners was really good. Um, Probably. I mean, Orlando Brown hasn't been great on the Bengals. (laughs) I saw someone call him obese brown (laughs) that's not cool (laughs) (laughs) it's the ravens fans dude (laughs) 
That's foul. <laughs> when okay. his father was so good for you, you thought you'd be nice. They hate him, man. They hate him. Uh, the Falcons' defense isn't great, and they got Jesse Bates. I'm I'm literally just scrolling through and thinking about it. If you count re-signings, I would say Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, you know me. I would argue for that being the worst. I uh, hate Daniel number Jones. Number one hater. Uh, I think if you're counting re-signings, Jones is worse, but people changing teams, probably Carr. Yeah. Uh, speaking of signings that haven't worked out, so Falcons 13, Jets 8. The game really doesn't matter here. It was disgusting. Uh, it's more the, the aftermath of it for the Jets, where now it's coming out, according to The Athletic, that the Jets are leaning towards going back to Zach Wilson at QB, mm, yeah. but he's not all in on coming back, which Sala immediately recounted on and said that it's not true, but, like, why would he want to? Like, I, I get it that it's his fault, ultimately, as the player who is not good enough to justify his draft status, and I think that the rumblings of the Jets somewhat losing the locker room because they kept sticking by Zach Wilson is reasonable. But, like, if you've been given up on three times now and you still have uh, the man with one Achilles breathing down your neck even as you continue to start, I don't really know why you would have confidence. I'm not one to defend Zach Wilson. Fun fact, same birthday as me. Mm. Not one to defend Zach Wilson, uh, but... I think he's kind of right. Like, why would he go out there and subject himself to more BS when they're going to continue to lose and it's continue to be his fault? Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like at this point, it's kind of like that. Maybe I'm of, soft, but like... It's it's like a decision that's based on like his, his stock as a player, I feel like. And if he goes out there in a situation where he feels like he's set up for failure, I feel like he's just going to lower his stock even more and, and diminish his chances of being a starter in the league. Yeah, like... It, it's not even just football. Like, if you're put in that position in any walk of life where if you get fired and then a week later they realize that your replacement is even worse and they come back to you, like, whether you're a, I don't know, you're an accountant or a busboy or a, a anything to be told, it's like, yeah, this guy really sucks. We want you back, it's, but we're still going to blame you for everything bad that you do. Like, I don't blame him. Mm. The Falcons are probably going to win the division somehow, and they're going to get absolutely annihilated in whatever playoff game. They're going to play the the Lions and get blown out by 40. Mm. Cardinals 24, Steelers 10. I love the Cardinals for continuing to win. And I think if they did pound-for-pound pound coaching changes, I think if you put a league average coach in charge of the Cardinals, there's a real chance that they also have one win. So credit to Gannon. Their defense has been... Again, putting together chicken salad from chicken dung, like, that is as emblematic of good coaching as it gets. And Holy, I don't know if I can name a single player on that defense at this point. Uh, Zach I mean, Allen. Buddha Baker. Is He's he, pretty good. Is he hurt? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think, I don't I think so. From him, so. I know that he was pretty mad earlier in the season. Oh, yeah, no, he was. He was requesting a trade for sure. Regardless, I think that they've gotten themselves in the position where Kyler's going to start next year no matter what. He, despite being questionable, he's been bottom five in the league in EPA per play since he returned. He's done enough to not throw games away like Clayton Toon. And as much as Josh Dobbs, the uh, the demon inhabiting every quarterback's body, is 
cool. He wasn't winning them games either. Kyler's better than all of them, and we'll probably get them to five wins, and that's enough to get you like the seventh pick. So I think that they're one of the guy. They're one of the teams in line to draft a tackle, um, or I mean, if they get in position to take Marvin Harrison, that because they'll have the Texans pick. The Texans pick is going to be way better, but that combined with their own is probably enough to jump up a couple spots with a team that doesn't need a QB. Mm. So. If they can get Harrison, I think they would be the number one team targeting him. On the other side, the Steelers are still 7-5, and five, which, because the Browns lost today, is still tied for second in the AFC North and in striking distance of a playoff spot. Is Trubisky worse than Pickett? Honestly, like I don't think he's significantly lower than him. He has the I think he's a little lower, though. Yeah. I think they do a lot of the same stuff. Trubisky's just more damaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't think that it's significant significant enough for, I, I don't know, hypothetically fans to make that excuse like, oh, we didn't have our quarterback. It's like you pretty much had the same role being fulfilled there where, I mean, Kenny Pickett would put up like 180 yards of passing in there a game. And now just, you might get 165. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's not significant enough of a difference. And What's been winning them these games is the like tough, gritty defense and some of the run game when they're, you know, within plus territory to start drives. So I, I don't know. I don't think that it's a valid excuse to say that Trubisky is our quarterback now as opposed to Kenny Pickett, who has not put it together at all. I think, yeah, the Steelers defense has been the main thing that and Tomlin have been getting them to seven wins of so many with how many that they were outgained in and all the Matt Canada stuff. For Steelers fans, it's got to be like kind of traumatic to go through all of that this season. And then it's really not, I would say it's not any better because I think you need a full offseason of change to really uh, like give yourself a Matt Canada enema and clean out everything that he did. Trubisky came in and he was like, I thought he was not the worst thing ever but their defense giving up 24 points when you're the Steelers is a lot and so credit I think it's more credit to the Cardinals than anything Trey McBride is good he put up 89 and a touchdown I think that the Steelers could re what are their next couple games look like oh it's gonna be easy I'll tell you right now <laughs> they have a Mickey Mouse schedule the rest of the way except for the Ravens. I know they play they play the Pats so it's the it's the Patriots, then the Colts, then the ba- the Jake Browning Bengals, mm-hmm. and then the Seahawks and Ravens. Seahawks, yeah. They'll, they I think they'd beat the Pats and Bengals. I think they could really lose to the Colts, and I would imagine at the Seahawks they're not going to be favored. Yeah, no, that's actually yeah, no, a bit better than I. They I might. Heard. I think they'll go two and three, which in the AFC you're probably missing. Yeah. Anyway, Dolphins forty five, Commies fifteen, Tyreek. Coming out of this game, right before this recording, it was plus 2,000 to win MVP. So my main question is, in the modern era of football, if anyone is going to deserve it, that's not a QB. It's him in a year like this, unless it's a, a, a Micah Parsons putting up 30 sacks in a season. He's first in touchdown receptions. He's first in yards with 1480 and could very realistically break the record if he stays on pace. He's second in receptions with 93. He's second in targets, so it's not just him catching bombs. 
He is being a reliable target on top of everything. And Tua is still much more heavily favored to win MVP. I think that it's... He's one of those guys that is a non-QB that if he's out, the line on the game changes, and it it really changes what you think. Waddle's good, but he hasn't been in as, as involved this year. Yeah. Tyreek is so fundamental to everything that they do that I don't see how he is not closer to even with Tua in those odds. I know that Cooper Cup winning the Triple Crown and not getting it is kind of... It's kind of the best that we're going to get where he might pick up down ballot. I know they don't have down ballot, but if they did, he's come the closest in the last however many years. If Tyree breaks 2,000 and doesn't win it, it's never going to happen. Yeah, no, I was going to say he's on pace to hit 2K yards, which has never been done by a wide receiver. and Extra game, but whatever. Yeah, like, come on. To see that done, I mean, and, and if he doesn't win MVP, I think that... It, we're just kind of kind of like as fans gonna lose hope for any other position like winning the award because if he can't get it with 2k yards in a season it's like who can get it the the dolphins too are uh, are obviously first in the afc east and have been much better on defense as primarily as jalen ramsey has come back and gotten healthier being top 10 in a lot of metrics but him Staying healthy and Tua staying healthy, they they could very realistically make the kind of run that cements uh, that that leads people to say outrageous things about Tua, and I'm not comfortable with those conversations. On the other side, the so Rivera's not gonna if he hasn't gotten fired at this point, he's not going to for the rest of the season, and then so I assume the enemy is gonna take over, right? Yeah, I like the idea of that. He's like the one piece of the coaching staff that people really don't oppose or, you know, they they like what he's doing. Cuz they already did the uh they already did the the firing the defensive coordinator and making him take the blame for January 6th uh fanatic uh Jack Del Rio. But <laughs> uh they've given up 90 points in the last two games, so I don't think it helped. Yeah. They're probably going to take one of the tackles. I, I was, I jotted down that uh, Fashanu out of Penn State. I I do not remember how to say his first name, or Joe Alt, are one of the big guys. I, again, they are another team that it would be great if they could take one of the top two QBs. They've just won too many games to outpace the the Patriots or the Panthers. The Broncos seventeen, Texans twenty two. This is tighter than I would have guessed five weeks ago in the sense that I thought the Texans would smack the Broncos around. Really? Yeah, when they were 1-5 and five and uh, and Sean Payton. There was, it wasn't, like, real, but mm. there was a conversation of, like, oh, it's like, will he stay here another year? Not that he would get fired because it's Sean Payton, but testament to what both of these teams have been through and what both of these QBs have been through that they got here and have performed to this degree especially as they're starting to miss guys uh tank dell hurt during during the game uh currently top 25 in receiving yards tied for fifth in touchdowns had clearly become stroud's favorite target as a rookie impressive as just this what five eight five nine one sixty guy this two two at well looking dude that stroud has been making the most with and now he's probably out for the season it just sucks. 
Yeah, that was just announced actually. Uh, what's his name? D'Amico Ryan's just announced that that he is in fact out for the season. So Ryan's is the other guy that because I like even without Dell, I still for whatever because even though Stroud is a rookie and even though Ryan's is a rookie head coach, I still have confidence in them. Stroud is already running away with offensive rookie of the year, but uh, Ryan's might take home if the Texans make the playoffs. I think it would be him and the Colts, between them and the Colts, and I kind of find it hard to believe that both are really going to make it. So I think between Ryan's and Steichen, whatever team makes the playoffs, that's mm. the guy that's going to win the award. Also, uh, shout out to their drafting overall. Will Anderson Jr. is currently fifth in pass rush win rate in the entire league. So not an overdraft. And with how they're probably going to finish, their pick being like 17th, I think you trade that pick every time to get someone like Will Anderson. Mm. Russ has been better. Russ has been good pretty much this entire stretch. He leads the NFL in adjusting completion percentage, so taking out spikes and throwaways per PFF. So he's, I think, the thing that I heard that I most agree with is that last year really humbled him, Mm. and he got the chance to let himself cook. He's not Mr. Unlimited. He's not Mr. Unlimited. (laughs) He found what limited him, and now that he's actually, it took some time to get going. But Broncos country, I've no one talks about the seventy points anymore, and that's kind of amazing considering yeah. how embarrassing it was at the time. Yeah, that that just humbled the whole organization. I think that put them in a really dark place, and they had how to could get it out not? Of it. I mean, damn. Panthers eighteen, Bucks twenty one. You'd think that in a game where Chuba Hubbard plays like a lead back and they hold the bucks to 21 really up until the final drive of the game 14 and then they give up a game winning drive to baker mayfield i i don't understand how the texans lost to this goddamn team i i i'm glad because obviously it means that the bears are going to take advantage of the situation and get someone that they want but it's just, it feels bad to say pathetic because I know Panthers fans care about the team. Going back to Jake DeLone, they've always cared, but the, it, I saw people comparing David Tepper to, to Dan Snyder, and no one is ever Dan Snyder. No one has, the DEA has not raided the Panthers locker room, and there are not like almost 50 former female employees of the Panthers on NDAs for a mysterious reason. So I'm not going to make that analogy. But Tepper, having fired three coaches in three years, uh, Reich, I think setting the record for quickest firing in season, they are the most dysfunctional organization in the NFL, and the Bears are really lucky for that. I feel it. In my bones, in my loins, that the Bucks are going to overdraft either Michael Penix or Bo Nix. Mm. Just because Baker's been fine, and he'll keep a job for the next few years because of this year. A lot like Minshew. But this is the team that's won too many games and is going to be the like the Deshaun Kaiser team however many years ago when he got taken by the Browns oh and boy. then put in position too soon. They're going to do that to Penix or Bo Nix, mm. and it's not going to turn out well. Hey, shout out Mike Mike Evans for 10th 1K receiving yard season also. 
Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, He's got a Hall of Fame resume, I'll say that for sure, but I think he's... Because, like, Brandon Marshall has, like, 12,000 yards, and he's not probably not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'd say Hall of very good as of right now, but he could switch it around. I mean... If he makes it, like, 12 or 13... Because he has a Super Bowl, too. It's a real conversation. Yeah. Uh, Rams win 36-19 over the Browns. Flacco is better than expected because the Jets somehow messed that up, too. And main takeaway, I guess the the Browns are screwed with any quarterback that they have, and it's up to their defense to win anything. And if you give up 30 to anyone, they're not matching. Mm. Shouts to Stafford. Shout to McVay. This quieted all the, um, what is it, the the Browns defensive coordinator, uh, all the matchups that he's had with McVay and Shanahan, and uh, Jim Schwartz having all these matchups against McVay and Shanahan, uh, he just got laid it on him. Mm. It's not necessarily his fault because of the quarterback situation, and but like 36 points is 36 points. I like the Rams to plot one of the wild cards over a team like the Vikings, especially because Stafford has come back into form and looks healthy. And everything about the Rams this entire year has relied on health, whether it's Cooper Cup's health, whether it's Stafford's health, whether it's apparently Kyron Williams' health. Yeah. If they have everyone, I feel like they are better than any team except maybe the Seahawks in the wild card race, and you can make an argument against them too. Yeah, whether his arm's cooked or not, I mean, I see those games that Stafford plays, and he has an incredible, like, football IQ. I saw him toss a touchdown to, I I believe it was Demarcus Robinson, Ravens legend, and he he called a crazy audible that, that made the play happen, and it's just great to watch him, like, his Be football yeah. sense just take over games like that. I think that... They'd be a sneaky on the road playoff team too, if uh, if they go into, frankly, Detroit, is the team I was thinking of. That if they end up matched up with them in round one, that that could be, that could be like a whoa the Rams are up twenty one seven and a half, kind of game. Uh, Niners smack around the Eagles forty two to nineteen. Debo three touchdowns. Purdy is one of the MVP front runners right now, and. I don't know how you feel about this. I'd argue Debo is probably 1B. Tyuk's 1A this season. Just how it's worked out. For, part of that's just because Debo's been injured. But three touchdowns, and he's capable of this game every week. And he's probably their third best skill position player behind McCaffrey and Ayuk and or second. Either way. I mean, throw Kittle in there, too. Throw they're, Kittle? I they're mean, loaded. They're loaded. Offensive line has been great. They... Got a Drake Greenlaw got kicked out of the game. That was hilarious. <laughs> I don't think that was warranted. He barely touched his face. <laughs> Did you hear the what was it like the Eagles announced or the big radio the radio guys calling him Big Dom? Oh yeah, that was the security guard. Yeah, don't go up against Big Dom. Uh, Jalen Carter makes me sad, and makes then Hurts has a. It's not. It's not like he's been bad. He's still been probably a top 10 guy. It's just he's super streaky. And for a team like this where the the thing that I was coming back to with team building in football is that 
you either have to have a B quarterback and an A supporting cast or an A quarterback and a B supporting cast. And coming into the year, I would say the Eagles probably had like an A minus quarterback and an A close to A plus supporting cast because they brought a bunch of people back and they added probably the best defensive rookie that we've had in a few years, other than Parsons. So like Hurts even being a B they can probably win a Super Bowl. They still probably can. One game is not everything, and this is not necessarily a playoff game. Hurts went out for a bit. A lot of stuff happened. And they just signed Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard. Shaquille Leonard. <laughs> it's been that way for a few years. You have no excuse. <laughs> I do. I had, it has nothing to do with Darius. It's the, I don't know why they called him that. Anyway, uh, Shaq Leonard might make a real demonstrable impact depending on how much juice he still has. And I hate that. I mean, it's great for them, but in, like, last game against the Bills, they won, and there was a stretch where I think three of four of Hurts' passes in a row were touchdowns, just how the game script worked out where they got an interception, and then it was, I mean, it was a lot of good plays by his receivers. Brown and Devontae Smith are good, but it was him. Now, they admitted that he's a little banged up, and if he's healthy going into, into the stretch of the playoff run, I think that they are on par with the Niners, especially if, uh, if a Shaq Leonard can come in and be a real impact. And all those, I mean, I can say those offensive line guys are old too, but it's not like they're slowing down. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey are still probably top eight linemen. Like, this, this feels like a fluke is my point. But they need Hurts healthy, and if he is hurt enough that it's going to affect game outcomes like this, I know you don't want to put Marcus Mariota in games, but you have already won enough games and have enough talent that you can wind down the stretch to make the playoffs. So, like, just do that and focus on your real goal as opposed to risking Hurts being hurt even more and then you're ruining your chance at a championship. Mm. Last Sunday night, Chiefs 19, Packers 27. Collinsworth said towards the end of the game, if the Packers win this, they're making the playoffs. And I kind of agree. Uh, Packers are 4-1 in their last five, only loss being to the Steelers, which, again, black devil magic. Uh, and that's with weird stuff down the stretch. There was a week... The, the unnecessary roughness on Mahomes that I'm shocked that Collinsworth didn't villainize. I forget the Packers defender, but the fact that he didn't try and get him Jonathan set to Owens. Guantanamo Bay. To, uh, oh, Simone Biles' husband. Yeah. They didn't try to yeah. send Simone Biles' husband to, to Guantanamo for that was, uh, was shocking. And then that the, the last two minutes of the game were like 30 minutes. Uh, the is that enough to overturn conversation, whether it's in basketball or football, is my least favorite thing in sports, and it's why I would. I I am in favor of limiting replay significantly. It's the, really just bad comment, like <clears throat> it's bad commentary. Like I know, I know it's it's a crutch. It the, is a crutch, and it's just it's like we don't know what to say because we know this is going to take five minutes. Yeah, and with, that's stupid. Because they the, they should look at it three times. Agreed. If, if you can't tell them three times, it's not clear. Mm, I, I agree. Keep it the same. If you see it once and you're like, yep. They also refuse to say but 
when they were talking about Rasheed Rice's fumble, they said rear end and behind, <laughs> and they just wouldn't say his ass. Because not not family friendly enough. No, it's no. just because they don't want another Mark Sanchez butt fumble moment that to happen again. Why would you not want that to happen? That's again? funny though. It is funny, but they don't want it. Anyway, if it's not clear, stop looking at it, and it forces. It's not fair to the announcers. Not that I really care about fairness when they get paid to do it, but like. It's just so goddamn boring, and it is a barrier to entry to watching the end of these games that is not necessary. And then uh, Kelsey might have gotten fouled on the last ball, but who cares? You don't get those on Hail Marys. The Chiefs' offense is not good enough. Also, they're 8-4, and four and their division is already pretty much closed up, which, Jesus Christ, Chargers. Uh, they Rasheed Rice is good. Is anyone else on that offense other than like angry stomper Pacheco who throws a mean left hook? Yeah. <laughs> they barely caught that too. They saw the pylon cam had to get utilized. He really punched good. him. Yeah. Who was the who was it in the it was like a Bears Saints playoff? Javon wins wins that completely smacked the hell out of I think it was Nickel Roby Coleman. No, it was uh Garner Johnson. Garner CD Johnson. Dupes. And where he's like, oh, I don't know what I did. It was that kind of punch where he put a lot into it. Mm. And then he was he seemed pretty cool getting ejected. <laughs> he was like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I smacked the hell out of him. Uh, the Packers receivers, Jordan Love himself. Uh, I am walking back a lot of the, uh, the guano that I threw on his name. He has been, in a lot of ways, a top 10 guy over the last few weeks. He is a big reason they have won for, of their last five and... Against the two toughest teams in this stretch of games, the Chiefs and the Lions, he played well. And that's really all you can ask. And Christian Watson, I I hope he's not too hurt, but Christian Watson going down during the game sucked, especially when he was trying to make a good play and go down to keep the clock going. But I think Jaden Reed might be better. I know I I was saying this to to you earlier that Watson might just be one of those game-to-game explosive like taller and better Ted Ginn's where he's going to stick around. He's good, but that's just kind of what he does. And he's going to have a few blow up touchdown weeks or even like maybe like discount DK Metcalf where DK had the three touchdowns this week and it's going to make his stats look a lot better, but he just, sometimes he's going to have like 40 yards in a game and that's just him. Just how his game is. If he's not catching touchdowns and if he doesn't get one long ball, the stats look a lot worse a lot of the time. Fun fact, Jaden Reed, Naperville legend. <laughs> no. I, already did, I already didn't like him. <laughs> now he's from Naperville. And now he's from <laughs> the Ville. Yep. yep. Fun fact. Die. Um, Bengals, Jaguars, Monday night, tonight. I, I'm taking Lawrence over Jake Brown. I don't need to talk too much about that. And then a quick thing before uh, we jump over... To break and then the NBA. Um, I wanted to just run down like personal rookie QB rankings, especially because the college football regular season is over. Caleb Williams has already said that he's not gonna play in his uh in his bowl game. And I I wrote these out. I wanted to know what you think, and there's still work to be done. This is how I feel right now. Having watched enough college football and then starting to take the time to look at these guys for draft purposes. Uh, honorable mentions for everyone except J.J. McCarthy. 
uh, Shadur Sanders, Carson Beck, Quinn Ewers, Spencer Rattler. I know that's I. It was during I think the Ohio State game that someone talked about McCarthy as like an early second round pick, and that makes me throw up in my mouth. I just think that he is Sam Howell, and I don't really see how he's anything else at the NFL level. But uh, top five, Williams, May. Third, I put Bo Nix over Michael Penix. Um, I know that they just lost to Washington, and I know Nix is old, but I'm yeah, talking like... 26 or something. I'm talking like, who do I think actually has a chance to have somewhat of a even a successful backup career? Because I think Nix and Penix are probably backups. I, I know Penix is younger, probably has a better chance, but... I think Knicks is going to end up just being like, I don't know, like not Jimmy Clausen, but like a guy who actually can stay on a roster. Yeah. Uh, Penix, I think he's a little stiff and too immobile to make it right now. I think he gets through his progressions well enough, but he's also buoyed by a monstrous Pac-12 offense. And then Jaden Daniels, just because he's been so amazing as the – Guy who's probably going to win the Heisman this year. He's not doing Joe Burrow stuff because the team wasn't good enough. But, like, he can move. And I'd be interested as one of him as a middle-round guy being the, uh, being, like, maybe kind of Russell Wilson-ish where it's just a guy that can move. And if you put him in a good infrastructure, a lot of this stuff is just luck for what team you get drafted to. Let's say that he sits behind. He's, like, a Broncos guy. Mm. where he sits behind a couple years and then he comes into an offense that already has pieces. But more will uh, more will come. I'll look into it more, but do you have any qualms with that ranking at the moment? Yeah, no, I, I don't think I could argue with it at the moment. I mean, I will say I do not like Caleb Williams' stat line against good teams. So, I mean, apart from that, though. SC has, like... The worst po- defense in the Power Five, as far as I'm concerned, relative to expectation, where I, this is getting too much into the weeds, but I I think that Williams has more game-breaking potential than Drake May. I think Drake May might be safer, but, mm-hmm. like, why be safe when you can be right? Fair enough. Anyway, we'll be right back. All right, coming back. Uh, moving on to tonight. We have the first couple of games of the knockout round of the in-season tournament. First tonight being Boston at Indiana and then Pelicans at Kings. Tomorrow is Knicks at Bucks and Suns at Lakers. All of these still being at their home arenas. Then I believe Thursday night is going to be the first of three games in Vegas both semifinal games before the finale on Saturday. Shouts to the NBA because I kind of think they balanced out the scheduling for this as well as they could have hoped to, where you have Monday night. It's kind of luck on Monday night football that you're going up against Jake Browning, Bengals against the Jags, but 
Monday night football is the only thing they're competing with tonight. They don't have much competition at all tomorrow. Thursday is going to be a Thursday night football game that includes the Patriots, so ew. And then Saturday, again, because the college regular season is over, you're not competing with football again. So if you go into next year, same circumstances, try to balance it out on the same schedule. Good idea. Running through these teams, wanted to look at a few things about how each got here, try and better understand just how this works, make me make a few suggestions, and then a couple of predictions. Tonight, it's Boston at Indiana. Last I checked, Boston is favored by 5.5 going in Indiana. To get here, Pacers went 4-0 with a plus 39-point differential in East Group A. They are kind of exactly what I think the NBA was hoping for in this kind of format where a lot of it's like March Madness. You come into a certain set of games, obviously in the NCAA tournament, it's single elimination from the jump. But with this, the Pacers came out, they played run and gun, they bombed threes, and they have easily the highest pace in the league. And they just outscored everyone, they won their group, and now they're here. They beat out the Sixers, a team that... I don't think anyone would argue against the fact that the Sixers are much better than the Pacers on paper and in practice with how Maxi and Embiid have been playing together. But in their group play, the Pacers outperformed, and that's really cool because, I mean, Halliburton is kind of become the face of this where he said in a, a media scrum where he was asked about it, it's like, hey, I've never won anything. And so the fact that a guy like him and a team like Indiana that has captured some of the hearts of NBA fans that have had the chance to watch them. Running gun, seven seconds. We've always loved the style back to when the Suns started doing it with D'Antoni, that they are the darling of this tournament and the kind of team that if they win, it adds some kind, not legitimacy, because it probably adds legitimacy if a good team wins, but it's more fun and it grabs more viewers if you have a Cinderella because you don't fall into the same trap as you do when uh, when Loyola Chicago makes it to the final four in March Madness, where it's like the uh, the adage for for the sake of TV ratings is you love it when the Cinderella makes it to the Sweet 16, but not any further than that, because once you get later on, you want the blue bloods. I mean, in professional basketball, yeah, like it's like, oh, we have New Orleans and the Kings two traditionally not most popular fan bases, but people still care. Anyone who cares about the in-season tournament, which is more people than would be talking about the NBA than otherwise right now during this part of the sports calendar. Like without it, yeah, I think a lot more people are talking about the NBA now, especially as like something... And people give a shit about the Pacers. Yeah, and the Pacers. And the Pelicans. Like the teams that, you know, aren't going to be making it to the finals or the playoffs. like. It, it's, it means a little bit more to them compared to like a team like the Lakers or the Nuggets where they're already so good that you don't really expect them to need to win or want to win this because they have bigger pictures in mind. But mm. at the same time, it is fun to like have teams that, you know, aren't as good or don't have as much depth. It gives them a chance to A, compete for something, but also show off like how good they are as a team right now. Sure. Because a lot of the time 
playoff basketball is much, much different than like regular season. And if, if there's even just like a small percentage of that being shown inside the in-season tournament, which kind of feels like there has been, I feel like that just, like you said, increases viewership, increases the amount of talking about the in-season tournament as a whole. But yeah. Sure. I mean, like Brendan, I know this is not necessarily your cup of tea normally, but like definitely probably hearing more about basketball than you would have at the same time last year or prior. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, at at work, I have a bunch of people who watch it. I mean, like when you're at a kind of like restaurant scenario, it's like heavily favored to have a basketball game on and and playing. Yeah, same here. Yeah, no, I've been I've been intrigued myself. I've watched the finals this year. It's been it's been interesting. Yeah. Uh, in the same vein, but on the other side, Boston is a more traditional team that you would be like, oh, I want to see blah, 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 go up against blah, blah, blah in this kind of tournament. Boston went three and one with a plus 27 point differential in East Group B and edged out the magic by five points because they ran it up against the Bulls. And uh, Billy Donovan got mad because they started fouling Andre Drummond so that they could outscore them by more. But this is kind of my this is my one critique with how this ran out. I kind of like it because I know that in professional soccer, point differential matters a lot more within your groups in like these bigger tournaments. But in basketball, it's a little more complicated because it's not like, oh, we got outscored by two goals. It's the I'll get to it. The Lakers had a plus 74 point differential in the four games that they played, which is cool. But that being one of the main tiebreakers, I I just feel like head to head should be prioritized over point differential. But the fact that it led to something like that, I thought it was funny. I understand why some people were mad, but like also make your free throws. Pelicans at Kings. Pelicans went three and one with a plus 33 point differential in West Group B. They won their group and they are a microcosm of those potential changes because like with Boston where they just ran up the score and they were able to to win the group. The Rockets were in the same group as the Pelicans and they lost their group because of point differential. But the only team that the Pelicans lost to was the Rockets. So like head to head records should matter there because if the point differential is different, so like I think it was only by six points. Why is that the determining factor when the Rockets beat the Pelicans? I just don't like that. I, I get it. I get where they're coming from, and it kind of normalizes it and makes it... Well, it's an easier stat to put on the screen that's like, the Warriors need to score 12 points and beat them by 13 in order to advance. Then like, oh, so-and-so needs to beat so-and-so, so-and-so needs to beat so-and-so, and you have to keep track of these results. But I digress. Uh, the Kings went 4-0 with a plus 30-point differential in Group C and sent the Warriors season down the shitter with uh, with their comeback. And before moving on to the games tomorrow, I, I really enjoyed, I don't know if either of you saw this, so on last Tuesday, it was the final day of group play, and they had a bunch of games going, and they would actually have the scores over the top of the, uh, whatever it would be, the first like the reverse part of the Chiron where it's the top layer and it's Minnesota and OKC and 
Houston and so and so and like the different levels well it's showing the different games going on at the same time like you see in the NCAA tournament where you're trying to keep track of who's up on who because you're looking at your brackets but it uh I thought it was just really cool because there's no other time in the regular season where you would ever care about that going to tomorrow the Knicks are at the Bucks the Knicks went three and one with a plus 42 point differential and finished second in group B in the east but they were one of the wild card teams because they dogged the shit out of the wizard, the wizards, the wizards, and the hornets. The hornets being the game where the mellow got hurt mid game. They look tough. I mean, Randall has improved after being probably the worst pound for pound player in the league with how much he was playing. Barrett has not been scoring enough, and so that has led to Brunson becoming like. The Mavericks are disastrous for letting him go because he's up to 25 a game and he's become a different kind of shooter where it's not just like you have to close out on him from deep, but he's a over 40% shooter on enough attempts to, per game that he's not, it's not Steph stuff because no one ever has that, but it kind of reminds me of Harden if he was willing to catch and shoot and that's a, a dangerous player and a guy that I can tell that New York loves and props to them because they could have messed it up and they didn't. And with the Knicks history, that deserves some amount of commendation. Uh, the Bucks went 4-0 with a plus 46-point differential. They finished first in the group. They, I, I don't want to call them the most likely upset here because they're playing at home. Against a team I think they're well-prepared against because the Knicks are not going to run up and down on you. They're also a half-court team. But Lillard, it has become even less of a defender than he was in Portland. Like, Raven, I know you're a Bucks fan, so I've pointed this out a hundred times that their defense continues to be absolutely horrendous. Yeah, and it has been. And the only thing we can really hope is with some of the younger guys to really step up. And a few of them have kind of shown that, but nothing that's going to replace the hole that Drew Holiday left. What about uh, Marjan Bochamp, dude? He's been killing it. Like You're not a big... Uh, you're not a big... I'm, I'm trying to think of the bums that are on their bench. You're not a big Lindell Wigington guy? I mean, like, that's the thing is half these guys that are on... I don't on, think he's on the team anymore. Like, the secondary or even down on the herd, but it's... it's They just don't have depth. Like, they have a great starting lineup, but after that and, you know, maybe a few six, seven man, like, after that, you get into a bunch of guys that are so young and not having enough experience to really make a huge impact. So they'd be better if they played Thanasis more. Oh, uh, Suns at Lakers. The Suns went three and one with a plus 34 differential. They finished second in West group a, and they grabbed the wild card. Durant was their only reliably healthy player to start. Booker has come on strong recently and Gordon. And I know Nurkic like, there's a lot of hesitancy to actually give him his flowers and acknowledge the the box score because a lot of it can be misleading where it's like he puts 20 and 15 up, but the defense is horrendous and he has five fouls. But I I have seen more than he was doing in 
Portland, but like in to more effect because Portland was just bad. I think he was a bad fit with what Dame wanted, but how but I think Lillard as weird as it is to sound, I think at this point in his career, Booker might be more of a point guard than Lillard was where Lillard is a good passer, but he is an on-ball dominant, I'm going to shoot this from 28 before I pass it to you on the roll kind of guy. And so I think he's fit in well in the Phoenix infrastructure. And with a lot of guys, shout out Josh Koji and uh, Keita Bates-Diop for throwing up bricks. He is the kind of guy that is, will eat on the offensive boards if there's not someone big to combat him. And for a lot of teams, especially the ones that are not built with a dominant center, someone like a, an OKC where Chet's good, but he's not going to crash on the boards like that right now. Nurkic can really eat some nights, and that's good. Uh, the Lakers went 4-0 and, like I said, blew the doors off everyone they played for a plus 74-point differential. I was reading they had by far the most stark performance, uh, performance increase between the regular season play and their in-season tournament play. And... It's kind of the last team I would have predicted to do so. I read something, it was really interesting. Uh, Hollinger, John Hollinger wrote it in the, in the Athletic today where this might be the last time that we see LeBron play in games that might matter. Just because he's, he's 39. Anything that he's doing right now is amazing in itself and he's already the best old dude ever in, uh, in terms of your 21st season, 20th season, no one's ever done what he's doing. Credit deserved and all of that, but with 80s 29 and he turns 30 this year, like there's no more he's going to become the best player in the league or he's going to be a top five guy. He's the player that everyone picks for defensive player of the year at the beginning of the season and then he never lives up to it because he's hurt or he has inconsistent effort or in big matchups, like opening night, he got smacked around by the Nuggets. Like, he got dominated on the boards by Nurkic, he, which is not Jokic. D'Angelo Russell is D'Angelo Russell. Like, they're going to trade for someone. And it seems like with the Mavericks... Bronny's son. Mavericks are falling back to earth, and so it becomes more and more likely that Kyrie is going to be sent that way in some kind of deal that includes Irving uh, and then Russell and probably Achimura from the Lakers' end. But I, I'm going to get into predictions here. But it is one of those things that if LeBron is never going to be playing into late May and early June, as someone who just respects his career, if nothing else, and all that he's brought, it would be cool that as he's really hitting his denouement and can't play the kind of defense consistently and his te- supporting cast can't, cobble together enough passable minutes when he's not playing at age 39 to win a title to see him win this to win the first ever iteration of this would be kind of cool i think going over predictions i so my main thought going into this is that i thought indiana was built perfectly to win this kind of format they are like, like, do you remember? Oh, it, I don't know how old we would have been, but it was like Florida Gulf Coast when they were the 15 seed and it was Dunk City and they were just running up and down. 
and they got this. they got to the Sweet 16 as the 15th seed just because they outscored teams and they were gunning it from deep. Imagine like, or uh, the team that beat U- UMBC, the team that beat Virginia because they just shot a bunch of threes and made them. That's kind of the Pacers every game. So like, I I'm predicting them to go on that kind of run, and I I put down I picked Indiana over Boston, which again. Pacers are a high-variance team. It's just if they hit that variance in a few games in a row. Pacers over Boston, Sacramento over Pelicans. I just think that the Kings are themselves on enough of a run that they have uh, the kind of intensity and effort. And they're another team that, especially after uh, getting ousted in the first round last year, still wants to prove themselves. Fox has played like a first-team All-NBA guard. So Kings over Pelicans. Bucks over Knicks. I just think they're better. I think that the Knicks are one of those teams the Bucks can handle just because of how the roster is built, and the Knicks have their own struggles in transition defense. So I think a lot of the Bucks' problems balance out. Suns over Lakers. I think the Suns have more power, firepower if Booker and Durant play. And then after that, on Thursday night, it would be in Vegas, Indiana over Milwaukee. Indiana will just dust everyone except Giannis on the open court. Halliburton is going to put up 35 and 14 against Lillard. He might give up 35 and 14 too, but like at that point, Indiana has the best offense or one of, I still think by rating one of the best four and Milwaukee's up there too, but it's just a matter of who makes more threes in that game. And I'm picking Indiana Sacramento over the suns. Again, just seems like they have more to prove. And I'd like not to be funny, but there's every chance that like half the Suns roster just doesn't play in that game. And then Indiana over Sacramento for the same reasons that I stated before. And that would also kind of put a stamp on the Halliburton Sabonis trade. Because I think Halliburton's starting to be kind of like the uh honestly to like the average NBA fan, not even just the uh the hardcore guys, their favorite. Oh, this guy's on NBA TV. Oh, this guy's on ESPN tonight. It's the Pacers, so they're not there much. I think they've had one nationally televised game this year. But reading and hearing about him, he's the type of dude that, and he's obviously like a handsome, charismatic dude too, that everyone is rooting for. He's going to start to fill a void that has started to open as um, some guys have fallen out of favor or some teams have grown stale, like the Bostons and the Warriors of the world where Indiana might step into that and Halliburton would obviously be the face of it. More realistically, I could very much see that the Lakers filling in that Sacramento role. And in a, if I'm trying to pick two stories that I would prefer, I would say the Lakers or the Pacers and then the Kings right after that. I think an Indiana-Sacramento game would be kind of like the game against the Hawks earlier in the year where they scored 300 points. Um, neither of these teams plays great defense and it'll be a Fox versus Halliburton duel that I think statistically Fox is winning right now, but overall I think Halliburton's the better player. All right, finally, last week, bets. I finally beat Raven. Finally won all three. Uh, DK Metcalf obviously had his over on yards. The Texans won by five. And then, uh, Oh, what was the last one? Oh, the uh, the over for the Eagles and the and the 49ers, which I believe was in the 40s, and they ended up with almost 60. So 
I hate you, and I'm glad I won. Um, but this week, rolling through it, we have two football ones, and then we're just going to pick the winner of the in-season tournament because I think I was thinking about it. I know Raven picked the Nuggets, and they didn't make it, and I picked the Timberwolves, and they didn't make, make it either. So we're already wrong from, like, two weeks ago. So yeah, like great start. You can't be wrong twice in a row. I mean, you can, but... No, you can't. <laughs> Statistically, it's impossible. All right. For Thursday... So, Brendan, how this works is that I let Raven pick, and then I just take the other side, and whoever's right, I keep just a little tally at the top here (laughs) of the record so far. Um, On Thursday night, Patriots at Steelers. Are you taking the over or the under on 30 and a half points between Um, these two teams? (laughs) Easy under, for sure. Why? Because um, (laughs) the Patriots put up a big steaming fat zero (laughs) last week. And the Steelers now down their quarterback. Well, they had, uh, was it 10 or 9 points last week? I, I don't think it matters. 10. They lost 24 to 10. That is a combined 10 points from the week prior. So I'm going to smash the under on that pick. I think the implied over-under on the Patriots points, because I think the Steelers are favored by favored by 6 I think the implied over-under is like 12 or 13. Do you think they'd, they're going to get to 13 points? Yeah, because, um, I Why? mean, there, there's been some struggles on both defenses, uh, particularly the Patriots, and I think that your boy Money Mitch can exploit some of that for at least enough for like a touchdown. I'd rather have Trey Lance. Uh, Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, game of the week, uh, Bill's... Going into Arrowhead, Chiefs are favored by two and a half. Which side are you guys taking? I can't see the Chiefs not bouncing back from the performance last night. Like, I think that they're going to make their adjustments and they're going to trump the Bills for the, I don't even know how many, if time. Yeah, I agree. I think the Chiefs really felt kind of... Like, they could have won that Packer game last night, which I think I'm not alone saying that for a while I thought they were going to, but just with how the Bills have been playing and the Chiefs. I wish I had a soundboard right now. Why? (laughs) Just so I could, like, crickets you. (laughs) Anyways, in-season tournament winner. Who you guys got? skip. Okay. Like, I'm taking the Bills. I'm fine with that. Uh, Only because... they kind of benefited a lot just from how this week turned out. Taking the bye, a lot of stuff fell into their favor. They, and They did have a great performance against and the Eagles. They were they lost, but like they looked pretty damn good in that loss. So I yeah. think a week of respite, come back out firing, and if the Chiefs put up the same offensive performance as last week, yeah. I think I mean they they're not gonna it's the Chiefs. I doubt they'll get the doors blown off them, but like they're sneaky like Whoa, why are the Bills up 20 to f- three with yeah. like two minutes left in the first half? Sure, yeah. Anyway, finally, the in season tournament winner. All right, Raven, you have all the odds in front of you. Every team, who are you going to take? Obviously, choices. Who do you feel best about? You know, the Pelicans being plus 1,200, kind of shocking. Felt like a little bit lower, but. Because, like, we're trying to pick a winner, but value is but that, is ideal, too. I was going to say, but then that's the thing, too, where I, I, if Sacramento can play well, I would pick Sacramento. I think it's kind of weird that they're favored 
over both the Suns and the Lakers. I get it. I mean, I guess they're just healthier, but that's true. I, I'm probably gonna. T- I'll take. I'll take Sacramento. I am gonna take Indiana just because. Not because I have any allegiance, despite being from there, but because I already talked for the last 15 minutes about why I think they could do it, so I kind of have to stand by it. Brendan, do you have a dog in the fight? I'll take, yeah, I'll take one just for shits and giggles. Uh, Let's go Phoenix Suns. I like watching KD, and I like watching Devin Booker, so. Fair enough. All right. Then, before we go, uh, so the college football playoffs got decided Got the uh, the final rankings committee uh, results were released, and the top four is Michigan, who deserves it, Washington beating Oregon, great, and then it was Texas and Alabama, and then Florida State fifth, Georgia sixth after that, after losing to Alabama. I think that, I think that the SEC, SEC champion is going to be in there. Because it is not only a Power 5 champion, it is the power of the Power 5 champion. You're not going to, unless it is a two-win team, like it's an Auburn coming in there with two losses and winning it, there's no way that the SEC champion is going to miss the playoffs if it is reasonable for them to be there. Why the hell is Texas there? Because <laughs> like they beat, they beat Oklahoma State, who was in the mid-teens. And jump from seven to three. They themselves are a power five champion, but they have a loss to Alabama. Who they, oh no, they beat Alabama. Regardless, they have a loss. And it's the Big 12. Like, it's not SEC, it's not Big 10, it's one of the other three of the power five. So I get it that you want to put the brand in there. But like... Florida State is also Florida State. They didn't lose a game. And I thought it was really kind of sad that Jordan Travis, uh, Florida State's quarterback who got hurt, like said that he wished he got hurt earlier in the season so that the team had more time to prove itself. Because I think he's right. And it's if you're just going off the vague notion that you're trying to decide the four best teams, I, I don't really know why Texas has even shown to be that much better. And then if you're trying to do tiebreakers off of that, Florida State deserves it more. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I care that much because I don't watch college football that much. I care about it from a scouting perspective. And I do, I just like watching the sport itself. But in the same way that I don't like how players are... uh, how the NCAA treats its players. I don't like the way that the competition committee decides, or not the co- the committee, decides that they are going to reward goodness or, you know, performance yeah. because what has Florida State shown to prove that it is not deserving? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it's one of the main factors that attributes the reason that I prefer the NFL personally over college football, but, like... I mean, from what I saw, the performances that Bama was putting up, I mean... They got better, and they they deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... Why is Texas? Yeah. Was it it Shannon Sharp who said a few years ago that the college uh, championship should just always be called the Alabama Invitational? (laughs) That's kind of funny. 
He's yes. got a. Yes, like it, he's is. Got, it is him. It is Shannon Sharp. He got. A, he has a point, and that's why it's so annoying too. And like, I I get it that people can bitch about it where it's like, oh, there's not that much parity in professional sports when the Warriors and the Cavs are playing for a few years in a row. But like, come on, dude. Bear Bryant and Saban, like, if it's the if Shannon Sharp is justified in saying that, like, what's the what's the state of your sport really? Not to shit on college football too much. I think there's a lot of history and value there, and I think that uh, I think that four good teams got in. I just wish that there was a little bit more merit to it. Anyhow. Thank you, Brendan. Of course, anytime. Thank you, Raven, as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Listen to all other podcasts on the Aletheo Network, and I'll talk to you next time. Subscribe, rate five stars, and yeah, see you guys next time. (laughs) 